Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast Weekly Sermon Podcast. We want you to know that we're excited about our brand new church facility located on 1331 Cove Road in New Bedford, Massachusetts. We offer three service times for you to choose from. We have kids classes for all ages so parents can enjoy the service while kids learn about Jesus. We'd love to host you in person, Saturdays at 5 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Now, here's an encouraging word. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Genesis 39, and we're going to continue the series we began last week. We were talking about dreams. Dreamer! Um, <clears throat> I've been practicing, and I'm believing by week five, I'm going to hit that high note, the highest note I can hit, and I'm going to, I'm going to do a solo here because I have dreams. You ever see those people on American Idol? You're like, you don't have any friends? No one told you? You shouldn't? Because some dreams are, are fantasies. <laughs> y'all, y'all got to talk to <laughs> Not everybody should sing. The, the good news is God said, make a joyful noise. God knew that. He's like, no, nah, you can sing. Just make a noise. I'll take it. <laughs> Come on. What, how many of you guys are thankful that God's like, just make a noise? Just make a noise. Because singing in the shower is different. The water's are lying to you, <laughs> making you sound really good. <laughs> you ever be singing in your car and you turn the volume down and you're like, oh, I sound different. I really thought I was like there. I had that experience last week. I was listening to the podcast and they left the end of the podcast and I was trying to sing with the worship team and I was like, please cut that out. Don't put my voice in the worship with the worship team. It ain't, it, ain't, it ain't right. Genesis 39, we're talking about dreams. We believe that God has dreams for all of us, and we all dream differently. Dreams comes in different shapes, sizes, and forms, but you are here on this earth because God wants to do some things, not just in you, but he wants to do some things through you, and I pray that this series will empower you, equip you, challenge you, motivate you to keep dreaming, to keep believing. You're on this earth for a reason. You're not done yet. God's got something he wants to do in your life. So embrace the dreams. And so what we're doing is we're taking one man in the Bible named Joseph who had an incredible dream, and we're, we're looking at the process of how these dreams come to pass. We're looking at the principles because... The Bible is here to give us the principles, they give us the mechanics, they give us the how-to to be able to attain the things that God has for us. Can you say amen? And so today, we're going to talk about the work ethic that goes into a dream. It's one thing to have a dream, it's another thing to have the work ethic to see the dream come to pass. A lot of people have dreams, but they don't work, and so it's a dream without the work ethic is just wishful thinking. How many people are ready to put in the work to see what God wants to do in their lives? And so Joseph gives us the template for that. So Genesis 39, beginning with verse 1, it says this. It says, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ismaelites traders. Remember, Joseph was sold by his own flesh and blood. Sometimes your dream will isolate you from the very people who are part of your family. But remember, he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So embrace the process and let God do what only he can do. Can you say amen? He was purchased by Potiphar. An Egyptian officer, Potiphar, was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So basically, Pharaoh basically was the, the main secret service person in Egypt. 
The king is like the president, so he served the king by being the head of the secret service. And so this is the person that Joseph is bought into his house. And so here's what happens. The Lord was with Joseph. Remember, this is the common denominator in Joseph's life. The Lord was with Joseph. No matter where he found himself, the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph. I love that. Potiphar, an unbeliever, notices something about Joseph because the Lord was with Joseph. What a good word that when we are with the Lord, the Lord is with us, no matter where we are, unbelievers will recognize that there's something unique and different about you because the Lord is with you. That is awesome. Listen, he said, Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. The Lord was blessing Joseph, even though he was sold to slavery. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned, from a slave to now a personal attendant. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. The Lord blesses an unbeliever because there's a believer in the house. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. In other words, Potiphar was prospering. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Hello, somebody. How would you like that life? Someone taking care of everything, you're just like, what, what, what are we having today? Chinese, what are we having? I don't know if they had Chinese in Egypt, you know. Chinese people are everywhere. I wouldn't doubt that they were in. <laughs> oh, man. And then here's a little nugget. This is for next week. But when the Bible gives you little details, pay attention. It ends by saying this. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. As you're working on your dreams, there's going to be trials, but there's also going to be temptations. And we'll talk about that next week. How in order to attain a dream, you have to have the character to go along with the dream. And next week, we'll talk about the character of Joseph and how much that impacted the fact that he was able to see the dream. So tell your neighbor, you got to come back next week. Because you need the character to go with your dreams. Why are y'all saying like we're in a Catholic church? <laughs> Say it like you mean it. Come back next week. And tell the right neighbor, let's come back together next week. I want to title this talk, The Mamba Mentality. And I want to give a tribute to Kobe Bryant. Because I see a lot of similarities between Kobe and Joseph. You know, every so often, someone shocks the world. And a few weeks ago, we were shocked by the passing of Kobe and his daughter and seven more people in that tragic accident. And uh, it's amazing how some people have this ripple effect that goes all over the world. You know, this is the same effect that someone like JFK had, Martin Luther King Jr., uh, Muhammad Ali, Michael Jackson, there's certain people who become legends beyond just the, 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 their 
place of influence, but they influence the entire world. People mourn all over the world. They're still mourning all over the world, the passing of Kobe Bryant. And I hope and pray that, that we are praying for his wife and children and all the other families that were affected by this tragedy. Matter of fact, we can do that together right now. Can we take a moment and pray and ask God to bless those who were affected by this? Father, we come to you and we pray that your presence that is supernatural will be with Kobe's wife right now and we will be with Kobe's children right now, with Kobe's parents and his entire family. Not just Kobe's family, but all the other families who were affected by this tragedy. Father, in this world, there are things that we cannot explain. It makes absolutely no sense. These are the moments we trust you as God who is sovereign, who is in control, a God that can, can see beyond the grave, a God that has defeated death, a God that gives us hope for eternal life. And I pray that hope will be their portion today. I pray that peace that surpasses understanding will be in their hearts and their minds as they continue their lives forward, God. And I thank you, God, for the gift of Kobe. I thank you for people like him who gives us a drive for life, who shows us that it's not how long we live, but it's how well we live, God. I pray, God, for us who are still here, God, give us that same mindset, that same focus to fulfill everything you put inside of us to fulfill. And I pray by the time our life is over, that people will celebrate the life that we live because we live according to your will. And I pray one day we can all hear you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So thank you, God, for his life. Thank you for his family and the other families. And bless us here, God, as we go forward in what you have for us. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. 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 You know, Kobe gave himself a nickname. He called himself the Black Mamba, which happens to be a snake. It's a very poisonous snake. And it's a snake that if, if it bites you, you're not gonna make it too long. And so Kobe had this alter ego about himself. He wanted to be this killer on the floor. He wanted to be this assassin. He wanted to be the, the, the player that you don't wanna face. And I love that about him. I hated Kobe because of that. You know, I was one of those guys that used to root against him. And, and you know you have a purpose in life when you have some people root against you because you're so focused on what you're doing that other people hate you. And the reality is I hate him because I admire him. Oh, that's the word. Some people will hate you because they admire you. Some people will talk about you because they don't have anything to talk about. Some people will not be okay with you because you are pursuing your calling and your purpose for your life. So I'm telling you, embrace the haters and keep doing what God has called you to do. You know, he was one of those guys I love to hate because I love how he competed. I just, him and Michael Jordan, I, like, I used to root against Michael Jordan, but when they both retired, I was sad. Because man, you, like, you know you missed seeing someone who was living, at, when it comes to their craft, at the best. You know, and Kobe channeled that black mamba mindset. He was so good. He worked so hard at his craft that he developed this mindset of a, that we call the, the mamba mentality that now has swept the world. People talk about the mamba mentality all over the world. He actually wrote a book about the mamba mentality, about how he approaches the, the game of basketball, but also the game of life. Because Kobe accomplished much, not just on the floor, but also off the floor. But in an interview, when he, when he wrote this book, he said this, and just, just a little quote from the interview. He said, hard work outweighs talent every time. He continued, Mamba mentality is about 4 a.m. workouts. Doing more than the next guy, and then trusting in the work you've put in when it's time to perform. Without studying, preparation, in practice, you're living the outcome to faith. I don't do faith. 
Now, I hope you understand there's a difference between faith as in F-A-T-E and faith as in F-A-I-T-H. What, what, what Kobe was saying is, I don't leave it up to chance. Faith, F-A-T-E, is just, let's see what happens. Kobe's like, no, I'm not going to leave my craft up to see what happens. Faith is F-A-I-T-H is, no, there's a God and I trust him that if I bring my efforts, he's going to bless me with the results. That's the difference. All right, so that's the difference between the mama mentality is about focusing on the process and trusting in the hard work when it matters most. That's good. That, man, I'm going to bring everything I can to the table, and I'm going to trust the results are going to be there because God is faithful to honor that. I think it was Augustine that said, he said, pray as if everything depended on God, and then work as if everything depended on you. That's a great form- formula for a great life. Right, that I pray, I believe that God is faithful, he, he, he's going to bless me, but I'm going to do my part because I believe this. If I bring the effort, God will bring the results. Can you say amen? So, my friends, he accomplished much in his life because of this mindset. He was driven. He was fierce. He was passionate. He was uh, just the most competitive person you can meet. He would be up early, he would leave late because he wanted to fulfill his calling in life on and off the court. Did you know he spoke four languages? He spoke Italian. He thought himself Mandarin. That's someone who was driven to accomplish much in life. You know that two years ago, he won an Oscar for a short animated film that he wrote and he directed? Like, again, this is a guy who believed that his life was not just confined, confined to basketball. He believed that his life was meant for greatness in every area and aspect of his life. He also opened an academy for young people to develop their craft and their talent. And he's one of the main advisors from pro athletes from all different sports that would come to him to learn how to channel the Mamba mentality. That's the kind of legacy that this man left behind, just 41 years of age, but he lived more than some people live when they're 90 or 100 years. It's not how long you live, it's how well you live. He had four daughters. He was married, and the reason why he had an helicopter was because he said he wanted to make sure that when he's working on his craft at 4 a.m., that he can hop on a helicopter and go home and be there when the kids need to go to school because he wanted to be part of their life. He wanted to be there in those moments that are so critical. He didn't want to miss out on on family time. He didn't want to miss out on the most important thing, which is family, which I want to say, my friends, a lot of times I think we're taking for granted the things that God's already trusted us with. Right, sometimes we think we have a dream somewhere out there, but the reality is I think your family is part of the dream. I think your marriage is part of the dream. I think your children are part of the dream. And my friends, if we're going to see the fullness of God's will for us, then we must prioritize our families if we're going to thrive. And I've been saying this, I'll say it again, just because we're in the same house does not mean we're connecting. It takes being intentional to keep growing your marriage. It's one thing to get married. It's another thing to stay married and stay blessed. It's one thing to have kids. It's another thing to be a parent. One, you just show up. The other one, you have to have a mama mentality to... to listen, I pray this mama mentality, it, it, it seeps into our lives where as spouses, as, as parents, as workers, I pray it permeates every area of our lives because that's the way we're going to see the fullness of God. And so I, this man... He's been taking his helicopter for over 15 years because he's like, I want to beat the LA traffic. I want to be able to be there with my kids. And, and, and I'm sure you guys already heard this, but 
The accident happened because he was on his way to his daughter's basketball game. After he retired, he put a lot of emphasis on, I'm going to raise the next generation. I'm going to help these kids reach their full potential. And so, my friends, it's important that we are prioritizing the things that are in front of us. A lot of times, here's what I think happens to us. We pray for something, but we forget to maintain it. The very marriage that we complain about is the very marriage we pray to be in. The kids that we complain about are the kids we prayed for God to bless us with. And I want to let you know, someone's praying for a kid that can't have one, and you have one, and you're taking it for granted. I pray we learn to appreciate what God has already trusted us with. You know that Kobe was at church that Sunday morning. He went to church before he got into the helicopter that Sunday morning. You know, faith played a major role in his life. He wasn't a perfect man. He had his issues, and one of the main issues was that he was accused of rape at one point, and it was a very dark time for him. It could have just uh, really messed up his, his legacy, his career, and, it, and uh, he owned to the fact that he did have an affair, but he, he believed that it wasn't rape, and the, the case was dropped afterwards. There was a settlement, but that was a very dark, bleak time in his life. He was very young. He came to the league when he was only 18 years old. He was one of the, the, the players that came right out of high school into the league, got married early, and made some mistakes. But he said faith played a major role on him being able to overcome that and become the man that would now focus mostly on his, on his children and other people's children because he wanted to be a better father, he wanted to be a better husband, and he wanted to be a better person. And he said one thing that really helped him was he, he, he established an ongoing relationship with a priest, and they would walk together, they would pray together, and this, he said this priest and the faith in God help him to overcome the very dark moment in his life that a lot of times that would, would end someone's career and legacy, but for him, it actually catapulted him to be a better man and a better husband and a better father because of that situation. And I want to show you a, just a quick soundbite of him talking about coming out of that situation and how much God played a role in that matter. So here's a quick clip. But what did you learn from that whole experience? Just having to go through what you went through. God is great. Is it that simple? God is great. Don't get no simpler than that, bro. Did you know that? I mean, I'm, I'm, everybody knows that, but the way you know it now, did you know it before that incident took place? You can know it all you want, but until you got to pick up that cross that you can't carry, and he picks it up for you and carries you and the cross, then you know it. You hear that? You said, when you can't even pick up that cross that you can carry, has to pick it up for you, and the cross, then you know that God is good. Because we don't know how good God is until we hit rock bottom. And we don't realize that God is all we need until God is all we got. And these are the moments that God takes to shape us and mold us. And so, my friends, sometimes the pain that you're going through is the very catalyst for the things that God wants to do in and through your life. Can you say amen? And I see a lot of similarities between Kobe and Joseph. Actually, anyone who has this drive in life, they have a certain mindset. You know, the, Kobe calls it the mamba mentality. But I believe Joseph had that same mindset as well. Think about this. He's sold by his very flesh and blood to a distant country. So now he's a slave and an immigrant in a different place. He doesn't know anybody, he doesn't know the custom, he doesn't know anything. So what happens to a person in those moments? Those moments can either make you or break you. 
right? And so think about it. You got to read between the lines here and say, what makes a man like Joseph go from being a slave to someone like Potiphar saying, I'm going to trust you with everything in my household? That doesn't happen by accident. That happens because Joseph had a mindset to thrive exactly where he was. Think about it, right? If you are an immigrant in a different country, first thing you have to do, you got to learn the language. It's not easy to learn a language. I barely speak English. It's not easy to learn the language. It's my second language, right? But listen, not only do you have to learn the language, you have to learn the culture, right? Because some things that are acceptable in one culture does not mean it's acceptable in another culture. So also you have to learn the customs, right, if you want to succeed. And then you got to learn the ways of doing business if you want to succeed in a different place. So think about that. For him to get to a place where this man says, I'm going to trust you with everything, that means Joseph put in the work and put in the time and the effort to learn all these things, to put himself in a position to be able to succeed. My friends, this is not magic. This is hard work. So if you read between the lines... I'm pretty sure Joseph had to get up early and stay late to get to where he got in life, right? The Bible says the Lord was with Joseph and he succeeded, but here's the thing, his willingness to do the work makes the difference. Because a lot of times I think we, we think that, you know, because I have faith, I've arrived, but faith without works is? is dead. It's faith with legs. It's faith with hands. It's faith with showing up. It's faith with a work ethic that leads us to where we need to go in life, where God wants for us. Can you say amen? See, my friends, here's where I think we miss a lot of times the things that God wants to do in us. We fail to embrace where we are right now. If Joseph would have waited for the dream to come to pass, that dream would have never come to pass. The fact that Joseph embraced exactly where he was is the reason why 2,000 and plus years later, we're talking about Joseph. We wouldn't be talking about Joseph if he would have just went to Egypt and just became an ordinary slave. Are you tracking with me? I think, listen, in order for us to see everything God has for us, we must learn to embrace the responsibility that is right in front of us. Now, I don't know what your theology looks like, but if God is sovereign, right, if we believe that God is sovereign, which means God is in control, God is everywhere, nothing uh, surpasses God, if that's true, then where you are right now is not an accident. So you are where you are for a reason, so the difference now is what are you doing with the responsibility that you've been trusted with? Think about it, right? Exactly where you are could be the catalyst for where you need to go. And if you don't embrace where you are, you will never know where you're going. See, a lot of people live in la-la land as opposed to living in the work ethic land to see what they want to see in their lives. Can you say amen? Listen, God honors effort. We talked about Nick Zacchaeus climbing a tree, and Jesus says, I see you. Why? Because he climbed the tree. If Zacchaeus would have just said, it would be nice to see Jesus. I see it in church all the time. People show up, be nice if God blessed me. God's like, do you want me to bless you? Then put in the effort. Let me see you. At least you can do is lift your hands to me and say, God, come bless me and come touch me and come heal me and come help my, you know. It's like the wide receiver who runs around going, I, I hope he passes me the ball. You will never see a wide receiver running around not thinking the ball is coming to him because he doesn't know when the ball is coming to him. He runs the route believing the ball might come to me and I want to be ready 
to catch it. So my bottom line is, my friends, is this. I want to say this to us. I bring the effort and I trust God with the results. I can't trust God with the results if I'm not bringing the effort. No farmer is trusting God to reap if they haven't sown. A farmer believes he's going to reap because he's, he has sown the seed, he has worked the seed, he removed the weeds, he watered the seed, but the seed already has life to produce life. It's just a matter of time until that seed comes to pass and becomes an actual tree and it becomes an actual fruit. It's just that if I don't sow, I shouldn't expect to reap. Hey, yeah, it's the guy at the ATM. Boop, 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 boop. Ah. And they act surprised. You ever see the people? They already have like five, 50 receipts. It's like, ah, I don't know. I, I know what happened. You never deposited anything. What, what should you expect to withdraw what you didn't deposit? Y'all ain't going to talk to me today. Here's what blows my mind about Joseph, my friends. Joseph worked hard for somebody else. This wasn't his dream. Potiphar's house was not his dream. He's working hard for somebody else's dream. My friends... This is where the rubber meets the road. Are you willing to work hard for someone else's dream because that's the catalyst to your own dreams? Oh, what a good word. That's why we're so quiet. We're not seeing it. We don't realize that where you are right now is the catalyst for the next thing. But if you don't take full approach to that thing in front of you, you are never going to see what's in front of behind that door. It's the catalyst to your dream. When you get to the end of Joseph's story, which, which we will in five weeks, 14 years, you realize all of it was God, Taylor, made this thing for him to get to this palace, but he had to go through all of this, and if he hadn't embraced where he was, he would have never gotten to the palace. In other words, it's a test. Where you are right now in life is a test. When I go teach at the ministry school, a lot of kids have dreams of ministering someday. I always tell them, listen, if, you, if God can trust you to work at Starbucks, why should he trust you with a ministry? Because here you are at Starbucks in La La Land, but you're not doing the work for God to say, I want to honor you, I want to bless you, and I want to look your way, I want people to look your way, because your work, hard work produces results. In other words, here's where maturity comes in, my friends. Can we do this? Can we do these two things? Can you help advance the company that you work for? Most people, I'm going to be honest with you, most people walk into their job and they rob their own blessings. Because most people walk in already complaining, whining, bickering, talk behind the boss's back, not realizing that God's like, I, I will never be able to trust you then to be a boss. Oh, y'all ain't going to talk to me today. Right? How can I trust you when you're over here sowing bad seeds? It took the Israelites 40 years to get to the promised land. It should have taken them 11 days. The Bible says it took them 40 years because they were whining and complaining and bickering. And God's like, I can't trust you with a promised land if you're going to bring all that stuff into it. 11 days? Turn to 40 years. I pray that is not us. I pray we go into Starbucks and say, God, you got me here, and I'm going to work the best I can. I'm going to bless my boss. I'm going to bless my employees. I'm going to bless everybody around me. Because when I do that, 
people see me and they see you, can you uplift and support other people's dreams? Because you have to understand this. My friends, it's an inception. There are dreams within dreams. Joseph's dream was wrapped up in Potiphar's dream. Oh, that's such a good word. You have no idea that your dream is wrapped up in someone else's dream right now, and God is testing you to say, can I trust you to where you are right now in life? Potiphar, an unbeliever, saw God in Joseph. And here's what blows my mind about that. He didn't see Joseph because Joseph was praying. He didn't see Joseph because Joseph was in a church service. He saw Joseph, and he saw God in Joseph because of the way Joseph worked. Others should see the difference Jesus makes in our lives by the way we work. Because work is not just what you're doing with your physical being, but work is what you're doing with your attitude. Work is what you're doing with your mouth. Work is what you're doing with the obstacles that comes your way. Work becomes your worship, and your worship becomes your work. And people might be able to say, wow, there's, there is a God in. Because think about this, my friends, the common denominator you're going to see over and over in Joseph's life is that God was with Joseph. So it's God's presence that made a difference in Joseph, not just the hard work, but it was God's blessing over Joseph. Everybody works hard, but not everybody sees the blessings of God. Why? Because most people think hard work means I have to do everything. Joseph is like, if I can do my thing, God's going to do his thing. I'm going to trust God with the results of what's going to happen in my life. See, his hard work would not amount to anything if he was not a man of God. The Bible even tells you, it looks like the wicked is prospering, but don't be fooled by what you see with your eyes. Because not every prosperity is prosperity. If you can't enjoy it, it can't be prosperity. If there's no peace, there's no prosperity. If there's no joy, there's no prosperity. If other people are not reaping the benefits, then there's not prosperity. Are you tracking? Here's what the Bible says. Look, Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builder labors in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. The difference is the presence of God, my friends. The favor of God over Joseph, they made his work stand out. Joseph believed that he wasn't, he wasn't working for the sake of working. He was working because he was made to worship. And worship is your work, and work is your worship. And when you, you, you bring the two together, then you're not trying to strive in life because you're thriving. God will always bless your work when he's in the middle of it. So the key, my friends, is are we willing to trust God with our work and bring him to the middle of our job? Because that's the difference that Joseph's story is all about. Psalm 90 gives you this amazing prayer about bringing God to work. I love this prayer, and I hope you take it with you. Put it on your cubicle somewhere and pray this. Look, oh Lord our God, let your sweet beauty rest upon us and give us favor. That's what Joseph had, favor. Favor ain't fair. Favor is God's blessing you. Come work with us, and then our works will endure and give us success in all we do. That's the beauty of God resting on your life is that you take God with you wherever you go. The mistake we make is we think God is here, but, but God is there tomorrow morning. Right, right. Like, that's actually 
better when God is there tomorrow morning because right now it's easy to do this, but tomorrow morning when, when everything hits the fan, I need God to come to work with me. I need God to be with me in the thick and thin so I can be successful in whatever I'm doing because it's not just working hard. Some people will work hard and be bitter, be grumpy, be upset. They don't enjoy anything. Why? Because they're on. I don't want to be on. I'm saying, God, you be on in me, and through me I'm able to do what you've called me to do. So, so, my friends, don't think little of where you are right now in life because that's the catalyst for where you want to go. Joseph believed that God could bless him exactly where he was. See, Joseph didn't believe he had to leave New Bedford to be blessed. Joseph did not believe he had to leave New Bedford to be blessed. You get it, you get it. Because everybody thinks they need one more thing to be blessed. Joseph's like, now I'm already blessed. I work from a place of already being blessed. That's a good word. When you work from a place of favor, you're already blessed. He didn't wait for a better situation to bring his best to the table. From here, he goes to jail. Wrongly accused because a desperate housewife wanted to sleep with him, and Joseph had too much integrity to give himself away. That's, that's next week. We're going to talk about character, because without character, your dreams will fail you. Some people don't have the character to sustain their dreams, and they come crashing down. But he goes to jail. Look, this is Joseph in jail, wrongly accused. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Are you kidding me? Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Come on, somebody. That's incredible. <laughs> you Listen, I, I want to get to heaven and have a conversation with Job. For real, though, because it's not the dream that gets me. It's his attitude that gets me. Like, this guy, listen, for some people, this would have been the end of the line. I'm wrongly accused. I'm in jail. There's no way God is real. God can't be real. That, that was just a church thing, you know, the goosebumps and all that stuff. Now, I don't want any part of that. For him, it was like, no, this is another opportunity for God to show up, and I'm going to do my best right here where I am, and I'm going to see what God is going to do. You know, we do the prison ministry. Everybody in prison is innocent. Well, my friends, the point is we carry the presence of God. That means I can bring the presence of God to my workplace. I can bring the presence of God to my home. I can bring the presence of God to my city. I can bring the presence of God to my community. I can bring the presence of God exactly where I am. Why? Because the same spirit that was in Joseph lives also in me and empowers me and enables me to live the life that God has called me to live. I really believe this with all my heart. You should be the one to set the atmosphere at your workplace. You either going to be a thermometer or a thermostat. Thermometer just takes the temperature. Thermostat sets it. 
I pray you are a setter of the atmosphere in your home, in your family, in your workplace. Some people walk into work and they just tell you what the atmosphere is. Ah, ah, and some people come in and say, let's adjust that. Because I'm going to bring the right attitude. I'm going to bring the right focus. I'm going to bring joy. I'm going to bring peace. I'm going to bring happiness. And those people hate you. But guess what? They're going to hate because I'm going to be who God has called me to be. I'm not going to stop being who God has called me to be. You know, we lived in Potiphar's house for about 11 years. This is not tomorrow, the next day. The journey that we're on is a long journey. It's the long-term game. And then two years in jail. So listen, five weeks, 14 years goes by. He was 17 when he got the dream. The dream doesn't come to pass until he was about 31 years old. But he had to go through all this, not realizing this was all part of the dream. That's the thing we don't understand. Kobe said something really powerful. Kobe said, when you can embrace the process, then you are in the dream. He knew something. He said, man, if you can embrace the practices, the lifting weights, the injuries. He's like, man, and when you can taste that and savor that, guess what? You are in the dream. That's the beauty of the mama mentality. Joseph had that. Like, I'm in this thing, and I'm going to bring my best to it. See, they, they, they don't say this is a reality. It takes many years for a little acorn to become an oak tree. This little tiny acorn becomes this massive tree over time. And I believe that's God's will for us. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, but delights in the law of the Lord. He meditates on it day and night. He's like a tree planted by the streams of a river. In other words, you get rooted, you get grounded, come hell or high water, another can shake you. Why? Because you, you have deep roots. Nothing's going to deter you and keep you away from the will of God. Things will try to come, but guess what? You're too rooted. You're too deeply rooted in God to shake you. Now, I think it's important that we say this, that there's a difference between working hard and being a workaholic. I think there's a difference there, my friends, that it's important for us to understand that working hard is your portion, but being a workaholic is when work becomes your idol. And what is the difference? The difference comes when you're no longer enjoying the fruits of your labor. When you're no longer making the time for the people that you say you're working for. You ever see people fight, families fight, and what do we normally say? A workaholic says, I'm doing this for you! But it's like, if you're doing this for me, then why aren't we together? Why aren't we enjoying the fruits of what you're doing? No, you've crossed over from working hard to becoming a workaholic. You've taken the reins of your life as opposed to say, God, I trust you with my work. I trust you with my time. I trust you with my company. I trust you with my business. When you're not doing that, the difference is you are stressed, you are worried, you are fearful of money, you are frustrated, you're not even enjoying the very thing that you're working for. Now, here's the thing. If we're working hard within the means of what is given us, that God has given us, then we're going to enjoy it. Here's the thing, though. The problem is we don't work hard within the framework of when we're supposed to work, and then we have to work overtime. All right, let me get more clear. Most of us have a 9 to 5. The problem is we don't start working until 3. <laughs> oh, y'all ain't going to talk to me. 
That's the problem. If you were working nine to five, then you would do everything you needed to do and go home and enjoy the very family that you're working for. But the problem is we slack, we, we, we complain, we whine, we bicker, we're on Facebook for two, three hours and wasting time, and then we're talking about, I'm never going to be able to get this stuff done. Oh, yeah, see, see what I mean? We want magic. I'm talking about faith that has legs. I tell the staff all the time, if you guys are working within the time that we have, then we shouldn't be here after those hours. Now, there's some days that we have certain projects that need the extra time, but most of the time, the fact is we're wasting time. You know the word prodigal means wasteful? Can't get time back. Right? What drives a man to get up at 4 in the morning to go work out so he can come back and spend time with his family? That's someone who is focused on enjoying the fruits of his labor. Are you tracking with me? Now, let me say this because this is so important. There's a difference between working for the Lord and working with the Lord. You don't want to work for the Lord. You ever see people work for the Lord? It's scary. Those who think they're working for the Lord are tight. Last thing you want is to meet an usher who is working for the Lord. Sit over here. What are you doing? I'm working for the Lord. The Lord's like, please don't. I don't. God doesn't need me to preach for him. He's already saved. No, God wants me to partner with him. When I'm partnering with the Lord, the Lord leads, and I just follow. When I partner with the Lord, there's a grace for my work. There's a peace for my work. There's a blessing over my job. There's a favor over my job. I don't have to try to make this happen and make it happen. If I don't, who will? No one tells the truth. I've heard people say, you guys don't preach the truth. You're too soft on the truth. I'm like, you think that's how Jesus talked about the truth? That's you talking about the truth. You think Jesus went around and go, the truth was at your back. You are one more truth away from a heart attack. <laughs> no, there is a grace for your race. When the Lord is in the mix, there's favor, right? It doesn't mean you don't work hard, but certain things come easy to you. Why? Because you're in favor of the Lord. See, we don't want to work for the Lord. We want to work with the Lord. We want to be partners with God in life. Listen, when you're approaching your marriage from I work with the Lord, it's different when you're trying to change the person that you are married to. That's such a good word. Y'all ain't ready. I'll just receive that for me. I'll just, I'll just, I receive it. The dangerous thing about working for the Lord is you want to be God. You know why people get tight? And want to like force people to come to church and, and follow Jesus because you're going to go to hell. It's like, no, because you want to be the Savior. Because you didn't even have any say over you being saved. If you did, it wouldn't be salvation. It would have been works. So when I'm working with the Lord, I set the table for people to feast on the grace and the goodness and the presence of God. I don't have to force anything. All I have to do is set the table. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm just a vessel that the Spirit can use. Here's what the Bible says. There's a grace for your work. Ephesians 2.10. I'm going to end here. For we are God's handy work created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
Did you catch that? We are God's handiwork, which tells you, my friend, God has to be at work in you for you to be able to do the work he's called you to do. If God's not at work in you, then it's you making things happen. Of course you're frustrated. Of course you're bitter. Of course you're angry. Of course you're upset. The worst thing you want is to meet a saint who thinks he's working hard for the Lord. Because he's always angry. <laughs> but when you understand, I'm God's handy work, which means like God's working on me. He's molding me. He's shaping me. He's preparing the way. If he opens the door, it's because he's already there. If he closes it, because he's going to open another thing. Like I don't have to force anything. I don't have to try to make this thing happen on my own strength, in my own will, in my own power. Because I have a grace for my race. There is a peace about it. There's a flow about it. You know, people ask my wife and I all the time, how do you guys do it? You have five kids and you're running two campuses. It must be crazy. It must be hectic. Yeah, it's a lot of hard work, but there's a grace for it. If there's no grace for it, I'll be stressed out of my mind. I will lose my mind. But when there's a grace for it, you learn to accept the flow of the life that God has given you to live. Because you're not trying to live someone else's race. You have your own race to worry about. You have your own focus to take care about. When people talk about you, you just understand, look, I got a race here. I got a grace here. I got healing here. I got strength here. I got focus here. I don't have to live someone else's race. And the reason why we don't flow is because we're so always concerned with someone else's race. You know, Jesus talked to his disciples when he came back from the grave, and they're having breakfast, and he talks to Peter. He says, Peter, this is what you're going to do. This is my word for you, and this is my, my destiny for you. And he tells him, he speaks prophetically over Peter, and Peter responds with, what about him? <laughs> Peter's like, what about John? And Jesus is like, mind your business. I got a race for him, but this is your race. I have grace for your race. Like, you run the race that I've called you to run. Stop worrying about other people's race and start running the race that God has called you to run. See, the thing is, my friends, the grace walk is beautiful because Jesus said this. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest for your soul. Right? He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The picture that he was giving us was actually a picture of the animals they used to thread the field for crops. He was saying, listen, when you look at these animals plowing the field, there will be an older one who has more experience. He was more mature. He understands what he's doing. They will yoke that animal with a younger one who has less experience, who doesn't know what he's doing, but the older one will lead the way. So in other words, the older one will do the hard work of plowing the field. The younger one, all he's doing is actually walking into the field that's already been plowed for him and he does he just smooths the field jesus is like i am the folder one i am the experienced one if i put my yoke on you then guess what i plow for you and you come behind me and i'll take care of everything <laughs> oh my friends there's a grace for your race I don't know why the rest of you are not standing up, but it's this time. It's that time. You know, there's a grace for your race. If, if standing up is hard already, I don't know what else to tell you. But there's a, gra <laughs> there's a grace for your race. That's the beauty of that. You can rest in that. You can have peace about that. There's a grace for your race. So every time we gather, I believe Jesus is saying to us, would you let me take that burden, take that struggle? Would you let me lead the way? That's what it means to have a Lord and a Savior 
Someone's running the show, it's not me. I don't know about you guys, I don't wanna run the show. This is too heavy. I don't wanna do this on my own. I'd be honest with you, I would not wanna be doing this if God didn't call me to do this. I see some people try to do it on their strength. It's like, bro, sit down. It may not be your race. I just wanna flow in the race that God has for me. And I believe he has grace for your own race. But you gotta be willing to yield to who's leading. If you find yourself angry, frustrated, bitter, upset, that means you're leading. That means you're the one in control. So can you reverse and say, Lord, you take grains of my life. You take control and you lead because I need the grace for my race. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? I wanna pray for those who are like, you're talking to me, man. I need grace. I need healing. I need forgiveness. I want Jesus in my life. I want this relationship. My friends, the word worship, just think about this. Close your eyes. I want you to take this in. The word worship in Hebrew is the same word for work. In other words, your work is your worship, and your worship is your work. Worship is not music. This is just an aspect of worship. Worship is your lifestyle. It's tomorrow morning when you go to work, and you're like, God, come to work with me, because my work is my worship, and my worship is my work. When you do that, now it's a lifestyle. This is not a Sunday thing. Now it's an everyday thing. Lord, whatever I'm doing, I'm worshiping you. Whatever I'm doing, I'm honoring you. Whatever I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I'm living in the fullness of your grace for my race, because my worship is my work, and my work is my worship. That changes everything when we approach it that way. So today, I pray that Jesus would come into your life, be the Lord and Savior of your life. If you've never trusted Jesus as the Lord, the leader, the boss, the one to lead the way, this is your moment. Don't miss this moment. If that's you, you're like, man, you're talking to me. I want, I want this grace. I want to pray for you. Just lift your hand where you are and say, pray for me. I want the grace for my race. I want Jesus in my life. I want everything he has for me. I'm tired of living in my own strength. I'm tired of striving. I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of being angry, upset, frustrated, bitter pointing fingers, going to work mad. I want grace for my race. Thank you, Jesus, for all these hands. Would you pray with me from your heart? Would you say, Jesus, today I'm ready to surrender. I want grace for my race. I accept your forgiveness. I accept your blessings. I believe that from this day forward, I will live in the fullness of your will. You in the fire with me. You won't leave me. You won't forsake me. You will go before me. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. I trust you, Jesus, as my leader and my savior from this life and for the life to come. I love you and I wanna live in the fullness of your will. So fill me today with your Holy Spirit like you did with Joseph. I'm yours forever. And I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. And for more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.